Hello and welcome to the Bigger Than Us podcast. I'm your host, Raj Daniels, and today I thought we'd do something a little different. We've put together a compilation of all the advice we've received from our previous guests. We thought it'd be a great way to wrap up the year and look forward to catching up with you in 2020. So then, if there's one piece of advice you could impart on the audience, what would it be regarding your organization or just from a holistic point of view? Yeah, I I think my advice, and I would say this is applicable to whether people are, you know, uh, professionally job seeking. I think this is applicable to business development, and I think it's applicable to addressing uh, technology solutions for sustainability. That there's really people should put a lot of importance on social capital, on building their network, because I think, you know, obviously if you're looking for a job or seeking to advance your career, that's important, but it's also really important if you're trying to grow your business. Uh, A lot of, Mm -hmm. a lot of opportunities come down to who you know, or what, what opportunity has, has crossed your path. And so trying to build out networks of folks, um, you know, deepen your connections is really important. And there's a lot of ways you can do that. I think paying attention to what seminars might be out there, what networking events might be out there, ways to just meet people is really important. Um, There's, I think our network is a really good, valuable resource in this respect uh, because Mm -hmm. we try to bridge connections on a nationwide scale so that uh, businesses and technologists can learn about solutions or partners that might exist across the country, uh, you know, outside of their immediate sphere and their immediate communities. So Arun, if there's one piece of advice you could impart to the audience, what would it be? My advice to the audience is think about, about what you're passionate about and, and what you can do to make the world a, a more just, more sustainable, a better place, right? You know, as, as cheesy as that sounds, it's a real thing. We all have passions, we all care about something and we can all make something better. And, and go after that and, and find a way to make it better in a way that produces real value and, and go after that. Um, I think if, if more people did that with their lives, uh, I think the the world would be better for it, uh, and I think each each of their lives would be better for it too. So I think it's a real win win. If there's a piece of advice you could share with the audience, what would it be? Well, I mean, you know, there's there's so much uh, that I've uh, learned over the years through scar tissue, but I, you know, I think I would say the the biggest thing I would say today is make sure you align yourselves with the right people, right? It's amazing to me how many people settle for second best um, Mm -hmm. in their partners. Um, And that really matters. I mean, when you're going through the trenches, taking on huge personal sacrifice in your family life and, you know, your finances and all those things to start something new in a company, um, it's amazing to me how many people choose really weak partners, if there's one piece of advice that you'd like to share with the audience, what would it be? Uh, you know, it's difficult. <laughs> it's difficult to pick one thing, I would say. But so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort of key in on, I think, maybe, maybe two here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and hopefully even some of them will be, uh, will be pretty good. Um, Feel free to do as many as you want. 
so first is, you know, and, and then I think this kind of dovetails back into a conversation that we had earlier, which is it's a really complex world and there's so much that we, that we don't just not know, but there's so much that's actually unknowable in advance. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm a big believer that we live in a probabilistic world and that you can do certain things to optimize your odds of getting a certain result. And, and ultimately that's, that's what we're trying to do uh, is optimize the odds of getting to a, you know, more reliable, resilient, efficient, affordable, global energy infrastructure. And we're doing our small part and there's many other incredibly accomplished, talented people who work on the same thing. Um, but, but I can't control all of the outcomes in, in an absolute sense. Uh, and so I think it's really important to just bring humility to your work, whatever, whatever your work may be. Um, you know, the way that, that that manifests, you know, just to give a concrete example in you know, my day-to-day -day job is uh, our process involves scoring the, our certainty that we've evaluated risks correctly. So we have a series of different categories of risk um, that we score those risks. You know, how, is there a regulatory risk? And if so, you know, how, how substantial is it? One to 10. But then there's also a question of, of certainty. You know, how sure am I that I understood this particular risk correctly? Um, is it possible that I, that I missed something here or that the world will turn out a different way than I think is the most reasonable way? And we've decided as a, as a firm and as a set of partners that certainty can never be 100% for all of those things. Um, and just because I think absolute certainty about the future is impossible. And so, you know, that just helps bring, I think, a little bit of humility to, to my work. And that's something that I would encourage everyone to do. Um, you know, I, I don't have a, a magic crystal ball. I always joke that, uh, that if an entrepreneur comes to me with a, with a crystal ball company that will let them see the future, we're very likely to invest in that, even if it's a little outside the thesis. Um, and then, you know, I think the, the second piece of advice that I would give, uh, that's one I give regularly, is um, I really wish that this weren't the case. Um, and maybe it's not in, in every industry, but it seems to be a competitive advantage to just be a nice person. Um, you know, and I think that a lot of people kind of overlook that because it seems so rudimentary, but it's completely in your control. Um, it comes to a lot of, you know, a lot of life is really just showing up, following up, and being nice. Um, and, you know, I think we kind of came to this conclusion that maybe it's not as common as one, <laughs> one might hope because occasionally I'm, you know, I'm very humble because we, you know, like you receive thank yous from people uh, when all we do is just respond and try to treat them with, with dignity. You know, it's an unfortunate aspect of, of our business that we invest in early stage companies and, and uh, we are like many other firms in the respect that, you know, we say no literally a little bit over 99% of the time. Um, and so when you say no and treat someone with dignity, and, and that seems like a really small thing, but then people come back to you with just tremendous gratitude for having done that. Uh, I think that's incredibly, uh, incredibly humbling. And so, you know, my, my fondest hope is that uh, the advantage of being nice erodes over time as we you know, all become a little bit nicer as a, as a civilization. Um, you know, maybe, maybe that's an important part of the work is just, uh, you know, paying it forward with your kindness. But you can go a really, really long way by just being a nice person. One piece of advice you could share with our audience, what would it be? I think it is to be thoughtful and strategic about your direction. Don't be sucked into lanes too quickly or really that are outside your parameters. You have to know who you are in terms as an organization and as a person, frankly, as well. And mm -hmm. stay in your lane, whatever that lane is, and do it with all of your might and dig deep. Um, some things will we have said no to because we know that, that that's not an area 
where we would excel, but we explore everything. If there's one piece of advice you'd like to share with the audience, what would it be? Oh boy. Um, I've touched on it before and uh, it would be to figure out what, you know, for you is really inherently intrinsically rewarding uh, that feeds your need for purpose and impact because then you'll find yourself doing things on a daily basis, whether it's your work or uh, any other endeavor that is just self-motivating. And then hopefully if, if the reward from that and the impact of that goes beyond you and your community and your customers and your family, your friends, whomever it is, whatever it is, then, then that's what allows us, at least in my view, to get up every day, put our feet on the floor, march out the door and go do whatever it is we're doing because um, we're motivated and uh, being driven by things that matter to us. And it can be very individual. And so, you know, with my kids, I've always tried to just help them figure that out and find their purpose at this early stage of their lives. And uh, it probably will change for, you know, any of them. That's great. That's exciting too, because change is also super good and healthy uh, as evidenced by I'm having as much fun as ever in what I do now as I did earlier in my career in a different industry. If there's one piece of advice you would share with the audience, what would it be? Well, I think, um, you know, I think that, um, I think that, you know, I think that when you read a new story, I think try to, uh, it's, it's generally this idea of generalized, generalized ideas. Um, and this is the reason that you, you read and you talk to people, right? I think you try to flesh out my, my advice would generally be to try to flesh out, um, your, your thoughts, your ideas, you know, explore, you know, try and see, um, the, the other sides of the, of the issue. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think that there it's, it's generally, a, it's, it's, we're moving towards, you know, uncomfortable polarization. And I, I, if you were to ask me, in fact, I've been contemplating for some time about writing an article about partisanship and environments and energy. And I think it has no place in it, you know, generally, I think that mm-hmm. <clears throat> the reason that that sort of those ideas seep into this type of business is because people tend to, to exploit generalizations and so mm-hmm. I think, you know, I would, my, my advice is always close to scrutiny and, and just try and educate yourself on the, on the issues. And I mean, and <clears throat> honestly, and this is the type of business that I'm in and we, we try our best to help you. If there's a piece of advice that you could share with the audience, what would it be? Yeah, I love that question. Um, and there are so many pieces of advice that have helped mold my career that it is hard to pick one but um, one that I feel like is almost universally applied is is always just asking why um, it's that that curiosity uh, that I feel like trumps intelligence um, any day of the week if you're interested in why um, you can typically find a better way to do things uh, you know as, with the cleaning example, for instance, um, just asking why are there so many different types of cleaners? Um, why are they 
uh, shipped this way. Like it, it's probably easier to assume that, well, these companies have figured it out. They've been doing it for a really long time. Like there's no point in questioning it. It's always it. been done that way. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, we see a lot of reinvention happening nowadays, which is a positive thing because companies, industries in general, they get stuck. They get, you know, trends outside of the industry change that impact them. Um, and they don't change with it for any number of reasons. But uh, I think that stasis is, is an opportunity um, for people if they're looking to, whether it's, I want to be an entrepreneur or I want to, um, you know, go find a company where I can go make a difference. Like asking those why questions will really, I think, inspire you to uh, pursue something. And, and um, yeah, I mean, it's just a, a natural curiosity is is going to be your best ally. If there's a piece of advice that you could share with the audience, what would it be? So let me walk the walk of the methodology that I gave you. Who is our audience on this show? Or which segment of your show's audience would you like me to address that to? Well, I'll tell you who the broader audience is. The broader audience is individuals that are interested in hearing the stories of individuals that are part of this sustainability renewable movement. That's the broader audience. If I could bring it even narrower, what we're finding is that there are many in the um, development community in renewable and sustainable. There are people that are interested in the financing of projects. That's a more narrow focus, but the broader focus is actually, you know, I'm trying to uncover individuals like you and why you've been part of this journey. So let me take your question in the context of the audience that you defined it narrowly as being. My advice to them is going to be the focus of an upcoming post I'm going to be writing, which is the case to stop using opaque terms in the way we communicate. There is there's a blessing in working for clean economy companies, and you end up working for some incredibly smart people. Mm-hmm. Brilliant people advancing technology and management structures and problem solving in ways I could never do. And it's it's thrilling to work with and for them. At the same time, that brilliance ends up almost handicapping them from communicating in ways that follow the current rules of the road. What we're seeing is that Americans spend 5.7 hours a day on screens and counting. We're bombarded Mm -hmm. with estimates from 15,000 to 55,000 messages a day. And there's controversial estimates about the attention span of people that's going south of eight seconds. Mm -hmm. And the point is that you have less and less time to get and hold attention. Therefore, shame on you if you use jargon, if you use acronyms, if you use non-conversational language. We have in our firm what we call the supermarket checkout line test. So when we Mm -hmm. message a company, can you use that messaging next weekend if you're in line at Whole Foods and the person behind you asks you what you do? Can you explain Mm -hmm. to them in terms that they can get if that person works at a retail store or drives a truck or stocks grocery shelves 
for a living. Can you explain it to them? Richard Branson once said, any fool can complicate something. It takes a master to simplify it. So I want to make a case to clean economy executive teams that we have an enduring passion for plain, powerful language. Because if you must use jargon and insider terms to explain your product offering, you are handicapping yourself right out of the box, and unnecessarily so. I have never seen a product or company or person that cannot be messaged to pass the supermarket checkout line, not one time. And I've been professionally messaging as a consultant for the better part of 15 years, and I've been messaging complex topics for 34 years. Never seen it. A piece of advice that you can share with the audience, what would it be? I think I'd go back to what I said earlier is be open to the possibility that you can have it all. And and I think if you think about that statement, it's it's really about having an open mind and a growth mindset so that you know, I think too many times we get ourselves into a locked way of thinking that the world operates a certain way and our, our view of the world has to be a certain way or is a certain way. And, and in that, it, it's, it's very difficult, I think, to have dialogue, uh, constructive dialogue, and to grow a company and build a business if, if you don't have a growth mindset. And a growth mindset mm-hmm. for me really means you're, you're asking questions. Um, con- uh, continually asking questions because that's how we move the dialogue forward and that's how we uh, get uh, individuals to sort of come to you know our, our, our way of thinking uh, as opposed to sort of going you know head to head and sort of arguing with them. Mm-hmm. So really that growth mindset and just being open to the possibility that, that, that we can have it all, be open to the possibility that we can, solve all of the great challenges we have around climate change and global warming, and also have positive economic growth and create uh, companies and businesses and new business models. You know, you know, I, I think that to me is just, you know, is where we need to go and, and how we're going to get there. So I would say be open to the possibility that you can have it all, that you can do it all and, um, and start with that frame of mind. If there is one piece of advice you could share with the audience, what would it be? Uh, I would say be open to change. You know, I've heard a lot of quotes by very smart people that say things like people only change for two reasons. Either they have to or they want to, which is very true. But, you know, we, we all have to do a little changing in order to make our world a better place. I mean, it takes it takes all of us to do that. And I think you know, it's a mix between changing up our diets, changing up how we use certain products and services, changing up how we think about um, harmful, you know, chemicals and medicines. I think, you know, it's just across the board. I think, you know, change is necessary. We've done great over the last, you know, century as far as advancements and science and transportation and you know, uh, medicine. And so I think those advances were great, but it's time that we re-evolve as, a, as mankind. And, and I think it's difficult, but we can do it. So I would say just stay open-minded to change. If there was a piece of advice you could share with the audience, what would it be? <laughs> uh, you know, um, 
given what we just talked about, I think uh, what I would what I would say is if you really look inside yourself and you understand what it is you want to do and what it is you are most passionate about, you will most likely also discover what you are best at. And that's another thing I see young people sometimes doing is they, they think they just want to go and make some money. So they, they move to New York City or they just get involved in an investment business so they can make their first million or their second million. Um, but they struggle at it and they feel unfulfilled. And, and partly that's because um, money is a, is a poison in many ways and it can make people feel very empty. But it's also because those people end up in a situation where they have financial stability, they have resources to go on vacation and do all the sort of things they thought they wanted to do, but they're not they're not fulfilled on a very deep, deeper level. And, and one of the truths about life is that doing what you are most passionate about is a path to doing what you have the innate skills to be best at in life. And so trying mm-hmm. to really, taking the time early to really think about that and not get caught up in all of the buzz and momentum and, and gravity around the importance of making money or being somebody or being seen or what, you know, all the things your ego tells you is, is, um, Something that's quite challenging, but something that's very important to do. What advice would you give the audience regarding sustainability or perhaps something they could do to help contribute to lessening the impact? Well, I mean, the simplest thing that people can do on this planet is to um, make a difference with their fork. I mean, the power of their fork in making food choices is tremendous. That Everyone could do that. Um, it doesn't require you to, you know, have to have the resources to build a building or lessen your impact or drive an electric car or anything, just changing your diet. Now, obviously a plant-based diet is tremendously less consumptive on many, many things, including methane and water use and, um, many other things that are incredibly destructive. So even if it's, a meatless Monday, you know, if it's, you know, as our city of Santa Monica, you know, uh, initiates, I mean, even, even at the, at a minimum reducing, uh, what you can to, um, encourage more plant-based diet is probably the single most important thing that almost everybody could do. What advice do you share with the audience? Do your part. I mean, not doing anything is not an option. You know, today, because of what we are seeing outside, every individual has to kind of step up, whether you are, you know, stay at home uh, dad or mom. I mean, you can do your part on the domestic front. Um, If you're working in an organization, you know, you can talk to your colleagues, you can talk to your department folks and say, hey, what are we doing? Um, you know, are we really leveraging everything we can to be as sustainable as, as, as possible? Um, maybe you are an MBA student and, and then you can think of, okay, what kind of life do I want to lead kind of going forward? Uh, should I not kind of, you know, take more um, classes in sustainability? I feel that each of us, all of us can be what I call a sustainability generalist. And what mm-hmm. that means is that we do not have to know all the details, all the signs behind everything, but rather know what is it that we can do through our, our own spheres of influence to make you know our world a better place. And by world, I don't just mean environmentally, I mean socially as well, because that's another point that's missed 
by a lot of our uh, audience is that and, and sustainability is equated to environmental. But no, I mean, you know, uh, societal welfare is as much a part of a sustainability. And and the point is that they're just options for all of us to 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 jump in and do. And these refrains of kind of, you know, oh, it's a too little too late or, or what difference can I make by myself? Um, these are precisely wrong. I mean, you know, doing something about it <laughs> is vaguely right, I think, mm-hmm. and, and can take us in, you know, in, 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 in the right direction. But inaction is precisely wrong at this point. If you could share some advice with the audience, you know, what would it be? Uh, the first thing is, whatever you do, if you're looking for that next assignment, do something that scares you. Um, we don't grow as individuals if we don't make mistakes, uh, at least small ones. And if we don't do things that we're initially uncomfortable with embracing, the best and most satisfying jobs are usually ones where you, at the beginning of it, and it happens to me with, with uh, consulting assignments where you go, huh. How am I going to tackle this? I know I'll be able to figure it out, but I don't know all the answers right now, but I think I have the skill set and the tools to do it. Um, but then, then through the process, you learn and you grow and so on. So step one is absolutely do something that scares you on occasion. And step two is whenever you're looking for that job, whether it's consulting or with other people, look for culture. Like the Texas Renewable Energy Industries Alliance folks, the first time I sat down with them at dinner, Mm-hmm. I thought to myself, this feels like home to me because they were all passionate, committed people who were funny at the same time and obviously enjoyed each other's company. I feel the same way about the SED group, the Smart Energy Decisions. I never, oh, there was one former FERC commissioner who told me, you get to this point where as a successful consultant, there's this no jerks rule where you just don't work with anyone that doesn't share a common passion and commitment. So to me, it's, again, do something that makes you a little bit nervous because you haven't done it before. And then always, always look for culture. Life is too short to work with people that are no fun. So I'd like to ask my guests, what advice would you have for the audience regarding, it can be regarding the industry or anything in general? Ooh, um, well, I don't know. You know, one thing, as I get older, um, I, I I think I'm acquiring it. I'm, I'm only at the beginning of acquiring wisdom. I, I'm a very slow learner. And, and one thing I think that I have learned along the lines is that I'm really in no position to give advice. I've made no shortage of mistakes in my life along the way of, of every kind, professional, money-wise, personal, you name it, right? I've, if, if it's there, I've managed to screw it up along the way. Fortunately, I think I've had more successes than, than failures, right? But, so I, I've lived, I've, I've drunk deeply of the cup of life, but I'm not sure that I'm qualified to give anyone advice, really. I, I think everyone has to find their own way and, and find their own, their own path along the way. I found mine. I, I really, it's, 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 it's a calling of sorts of just pushing anything that, that takes us in the direction of a cleaner world and less contamination, less pollution, less melting of icebergs, uh, those kinds of things. I urge everyone to go in that direction, but that's, 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 it's something that, that struck me and it, it, it hit my heartstrings. It doesn't mean that it is for everyone, right? So, sorry, I don't know if I have a, a particularly good answer there as, as far as advice. I, I think everyone in the end has to find their own way. And, and the important thing, here's a little piece of advice, is actually to look. That's important because you can spend an entire mm. life, certainly in America, right, where we have the shopping culture, you can spend your whole life just going to the mall and just, just flittering through life and not really ever thinking deeply about anything. And Lord knows I've done that too in, in my time. 
Um, but at some point, you have to start looking in and saying, well, what what is going on here? What am I doing here? You know, what advice would you share with the audience? Well, I think it's based on our own habits, our needs, and also, you know, if we were to go back to the to the thirties and forties, you know, the problems we have with waste and resource use is the same we had then as we have today. Secondly, is how much do we really need? We have a consumer-driven society, driven by marketing, that we tend to buy. And 90% mm -hmm. of the stuff that we buy, we only use maybe 20%, of, get the 20% value of it. The question is, mm -hmm. how much do we really need? The other side of it is, how do we help those around us and how do we look at things differently so that if we have excess, how we can repurpose that rather than throwing it out? Let's start with that. Sorry. And build that through the supply chain. Ask that question. Ask that at work. Ask that at home. Ask that in the community. Ask it at your churches. Ask it at your social clubs. So, what would be the specific question? Then let's let's share that advice. So, as an example, what materials do you have that you can share? You know the old going back to the old community of mm -hmm. work that the farmers did. You know, if a farmer was sick, the, the neighbors will will contribute and and move forward and 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 help each other. Well, mm -hmm. that sharing economy we need to go back to. If I have a snowblower and I have to clear snow, my neighbor doesn't have one, why can't I use it to help him? You know, if I have excess food and I know who in the community could benefit from it, why don't I provide it? That way of thinking. So if we start thinking of that sharing economy, no different than we've gone down the path with the sharing economy on Airbnb and Uber and everything else. Well, mm -hmm. Pretty soon, people are saying, well, we're not going to need a whole lot of cars on the road. Well, why can't we take that concept into the food and hunger and shelter model? Why not? If you could give some advice to the audience, what would it be? You know, I, I'd probably advise people to, uh, to try to pick a, a career or job or, uh, that satisfies both their economic and their personal passions and uh, – ethics. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't look at the world, you know, in 1987, when I graduated from Harvard Law School and said, you know, didn't look, look at it and say, well, what, what are the options that aren't, aren't obvious? You know, what, what, and I didn't look along my career and say, where, where could I make a divergence to do something maybe I'd be happier doing and that would satisfy my personal passions uh, in a more effective way? And I, I think when you when you get to be, you know, in your later stage of your career, you look back and say, you know, what did I do? Um, and for a lot of us, we say, you know, you know, did I live my life in a way that um, satisfied my own view of what the world should be? Did I did I make the world a better place? And, and I would just advise people in their 20s and 30s to look at alternatives, to try to find the less obvious route that um, they look for things that they really believe in and, and that their job is, is their passion. And that that's maybe hard to find, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I may not be a hundred times richer since I left the big law firms, but I'm a hundred, hundred percent happier. And, and I feel more rewarded in what I'm doing. And I, I wish I would have looked into doing something different uh, 20 years ago rather than waiting uh, uh, until four or five years ago. 
what advice would you give to the audience? And it could be broad or specific, but you know, what have you learned in all these years of perhaps entrepreneurship or building companies or just in general? Yeah, that's it's good and a tough one. You know, uh, on the entrepreneur journey, you'll meet a lot of people, a lot of supporters and naysayers. And if you talk to 10 people, you'll get 11 different options. So you, oftentimes you don't know who to trust and listen to. So, um, you know, what, what I've learned is um, always be open-minded to get feedback from people that you trust. But at the same time, know when to put on your blinders and just run like a man on a mission. And you just, sometimes you just have to trust your gut. So it's a fine balance between um, tenacity and stubbornness. And that line is different for everyone. But it's it's important one to straddle. And that um, that it's it's been a very uh, very important part of my personal entrepreneurial journey. If there's one piece of advice you'd like to share with the audience, what would it be? Uh, one piece of advice, and this is from where a lot of people have been coming out and questioning sort of the decision to leave a well-established firm and starting something on our own from scratch. Um, with all of the cautions that I think I've gotten uh, before leaving the firm or before even starting Ember. Um, one thing I would say for certain, if uh, you believe in something, uh, then you just got to go out there and do that. Because I can tell you categorically that the past 12 months um, have been probably the most rewarding time professionally and personally for me, because we really, truly got around the table, built a tremendous team, um, doing something that we believe in, um, not only personally, but professionally that we can execute on successfully. And, uh, and this is, by far the most challenging thing I've ever done, but it's definitely been also the most rewarding. Um, no, not to say you just got to throw stuff in the wall to see if it sticks, but if you have a good plan, um, you really, you know, and as scary as it may be, going for it um, would be something that you'd never have to regret doing. So go for it, but have a plan in hand, correct? Yes. Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a real asset investor. No, you can't <laughs> expect anything less from an infrastructure person. So you really take that leap, but have all the best of the bells and whistles stuck in all of your little pockets, you know, so that you're ready for everything that may come. But, um, but taking that leap is, uh, it really is something that I will never regret. Um, something that every day when I get up, I get driven by getting, to the point we are, to the next step, and just continue building on the platform that we started on together. So, Well, that's all the advice we have for you this year. A big heartfelt thank you to all of our guests and you, our listeners. And on behalf of our Bigger Than Us team, I'd like to wish you a happy, healthy, and prosperous 2020. <laughs>